You're listening to the PFWC podcast with me, Carly Compton, a podcast created to help you learn strategies to overcome that bully inside your head, ways to practice self-love, awareness and understanding of eating disorders, how to embrace the body you have been given and develop a healthy relationship with food, exercise, and most importantly, yourself. Here at the PFWC podcast, we find it important to create a safe space and a place for individuals to come to learn how to create that lifestyle that works for them. We're dropping comparisons, fighting unrealistic beauty standards, and coming together to show the world that all bodies are beautiful and that healthy looks different on everyone. Sit back, relax, and get ready to grow together. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the PFWC podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. I'm sitting down with my good friend, Elizabeth, who um, I've met via social media. Um, I wish we would have known each other sooner because she uh, lives on Oahu, and I wish we would have been best friends when I was living there. Um, But even better now, anytime I go back or she comes to California, it's, you know, always exciting to have someone to meet up with. Um, but Elizabeth is the founder of the curvy surfer girl, and I'm going to actually let Elizabeth tell us a little bit about herself. Um, and then throughout today's episode, we'll talk about curvy surfer girl, um, and Elizabeth and her experience with her body and all of that amazing stuff. So welcome Elizabeth. I'm so excited to have you. Aloha Carly and aloha to your audience. Thank you so much for having me here. And, uh, I definitely wish we could have been best friends here in, uh, Oahu. That would have been so fun. I know. Same. Um, but yeah, I started the curvy surfer girl movement about two and a half years ago as an answer to body positivity within women's surfing and overall women's sports. I really didn't see body positivity affecting that space, and I didn't see influencers in that space. So I wanted to uh, do something to change that, and I launched this movement with the support of everyone in it today, and uh, I absolutely love doing it. I'm living the dream. Yeah, and I love it. I, It's really interesting because you're so right. When you talk about, when you think about body positivity, you don't necessarily think about it in terms of like the surfing space. Um, you know, and I think that when I think about like my idea of a surfer, I have like an image in my head of like what I would think that that person would look like. And I think that image comes from what society has fed us and told us regarding what surfers look like. And so I think that this is such an amazing movement. Um, and I guess my first question for you is how long have you been surfing? Is this was was surfing new for you when you started the movement? You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. So I started surfing when I moved to Oahu in 2017. I had, uh, I actually started at my heaviest. I was, um, around 200, I was over 200 something pounds Mm -hmm. and I was about a size 16, 18 and I'm only five foot tall. So that's a little bit curvier for someone that's short. And I was very intimidated. Um, I knew that I wanted to do it, but once again, I had never really seen anyone like myself in that body weight doing surfing. So I didn't even know if that was, um, possible. I didn't know if I was going to have too many technical challenges with my body type or my weight. Um, and it was actually my surf instructor, Chelsea, 
that totally put that narrative on its head and said, there's absolutely no reason you can't surf right now. It's going to take time to develop the strength and technique, no matter what your weight is. Mm -hmm. And she just encouraged me to continue showing up. And, um, you know, over the years, I really just had dismissed it for a while. I just was always the heaviest girl while I was, um, I learned how to surf and free dive when I moved here. Mm -hmm. And I was always the heaviest in my friend group or within the people that I knew, which were quite a few people doing these activities. And so it had just become normalized for me to be the fat girl, the heavy girl, and the woman who couldn't wear the same uh, outfits as everyone else because Mm -hmm. they simply were not made in my size. So for actually, I would say the first uh, year and a half that I was free diving, I didn't even have a wetsuit because they did not make them in my size. And unfortunately, they still don't make wetsuits in our sizes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, so I was I, I was battling quite a bit just to participate in the activities. Um, cause if you can imagine, you know, yeah, we're in Hawaii, but anything below the human body temperature can, uh, create hypothermic conditions. Mm-hmm. And so if you're in the water for four hours and yeah, the water's 75, 80 degrees, um, that's still eventually over time becomes very cold. And yeah. I was participating in free diving for, two, four, six hours a day with a bikini because Mm -hmm. that was all I could fit into. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, after all these years of surfing and free diving and doing these activities, um, I had been following the body positivity movement and I was just like, you know, I I think it's wonderful that women are wearing lingerie and skimpy swimsuits and they're gaining, um, attention and, and, uh, traction for women in this demographic. But I said, you know, I'm, I really do participate as uh, a person in sports mm-hmm. and I don't ever see women in our body types represented in sports. Yeah. Um, and I just, I really wanted to do something to change that because I knew if I was experiencing that, um, then there were other women also experiencing it and wanting to see themselves in those spaces. So it was very impactful. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And I, one thing that came up for me, um, before you shared what your experience was with your surf instructor, um, that was going to be one of my questions was like, what, you know, what did that experience look like for you, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone and like trying to engage in these activities. I know sometimes not everyone's going to have the support of someone who is, as amazing as your instructor sounds and saying like, Hey, you know, you can do these things. You can do this no matter the size of your body. Um, so like, what advice would you give to those people who maybe don't have that same support that you had who are wanting to try surfing or free diving or anything like that in a larger body? I would say it is important to find or create the support. If you Mm -hmm. don't have it, this is not something that is easily self-taught and there's a lot of safety especially with free diving I mean you can drown if you don't know how to properly free dive Mm -hmm. so you know what I would say is there are a lot of organizations now that exist that did not exist 30 years ago that support women of all different backgrounds shapes sizes that would happily welcome you um, into the community there's a large 
you know, organization called Access Surf that even supports people with disabilities getting mm -hmm. into the ocean and learning how to surf. Mm -hmm. So there are resources there. I think what you have to ask yourself, though, is how um, motivated you are to overcome that fear to get out there and put yourself in the situation. Because really, in my experience, and now working with women the last two and a half years, the only people primarily holding them back are themselves yep. and the belief in themselves that it's even possible or, um, you know, that they have the capability of doing it. Mm -hmm. And part of my role is reinforcing that you can do this regardless of whatever weight or strength you're at. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that people make a lot of very tailored, individualized excuses not to participate in these communities. Um, and those have been reinforced by sometimes parent or family figures or community figures and absolutely the media and um, marketing machines around the world. So there are a lot of internal battles that you have to overcome just to get to the starting line. More but if you, can, if you can get to that starting line, there are people that are willing to help you run the race. Mm -hmm. And I'm one of those people, and there are many organizations all over the country and really the world um, that will step in. And if there's not an organization, then there's absolutely a person somewhere in your community that um, has compassion and the wherewithal to bring you into that space. So that's what I would say. Just give yourself a chance to mm -hmm. participate. Give yourself a chance to show up at the starting line and just see if you like it. See if you want to engage in that. Um, and yeah. that'll take you a long ways. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm, I'm curious, like what that looks like for you, you know, starting off, you know, moving to Oahu and then deciding like you wanted to get, you wanted to learn how to surf. You wanted to learn how to free dive. Thankfully you had that support of your coach or your instructor. Um, but I'm curious, like, I'm sure you had that sense of like fear or hesitation at the beginning. And I am curious, like how you found yourself navigating that. I did. I really struggled. Um, I didn't know if I was going to be able to surf. And a lot of the conversation in my own mind centered around if I should even try mm -hmm. and show up to begin with just because I didn't want to fail. Right. And I think that that holds women back in a lot of areas of our lives, not just with a, an activity like surfing, but even professionally in our careers too, right? Yeah. Sometimes we just feel like we're not qualified to be and do certain things. And we talk ourselves out of it before we even give ourselves the chance to show up. And so I had, um, you know, some friends at the time that I would express my fears and concerns to, and they were the ones that continued to motivate me to say, you know what, just go and give yourself a lesson, right? Like, you know, and, and then get past the first step. And we, and that's a big part of, I think, overcoming any large challenge in our life is to break it down into steps mm -hmm. and uh, action items that we can accomplish one at a time. And then eventually you accomplish enough of those that you are in the activity that you felt like you couldn't be part of. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was talking to my aunties here locally and telling them I wanted to learn how to surf and I needed to find an organization that was um, a, a financial option for me. Because mm -hmm. in Hawaii, we have a lot of surf instructors, but they charge $150 plus for a lesson. 
And that wasn't a sustainable model for me to learn how to surf. And I came from Texas and Arizona. We didn't even have an ocean where I lived. So I, I was too scared to try to navigate the ocean by myself. And they were the ones that helped me find a program that taught local people how to surf at a local rate. And that was how I was able to jump into it. So it was a lot of community effort and communication across various, um, you know, people in my life, telling them what I wanted to do and asking them if they knew of a way to help me get there. So that that's how I got to the point where um, I landed in the the surf instructor and surf schools um, program, and then I just showed up one day at a time, and over years. I learned how to do it. Yeah. But I I will say, and I I think this is something that you can speak to really well, Carly, as a therapist and um, as a plus size body positive advocate yourself. One of the excuses that I would use when I first started learning how to surf is if I struggled, you know, like let's, so in the beginning, I'll give you some examples. I struggled with being able to paddle. It's very difficult. Um, especially if you don't have the strength yet, you have to develop that strength. I struggled with the pop-up. I struggled with wave selection. And every time I missed a wave or I had days where it was just a massive failure, I would blame it on my weight. And I would say, oh, well, the reason why everyone else is having an easier time and I'm having a hard time is because of how much I weigh. Other people are stronger than me. Their bodies are, you know, able to do things easier than mine. And looking back on it, that is absolutely a lie. It was Mm -hmm. just my brain, I think, trying to make excuses, you know, to quit, really. 100%. Um, Because it's hard, no matter what you do. It doesn't matter if it's an intellectual feat or a physical feat. When you experience challenges, right, your brain starts to put up barriers saying, oh, maybe you shouldn't be doing this. Mm -hmm. You know, like maybe this is you got in over your head or whatever. And I just want women to know on the other side of of our podcast that, yes, there will be times where you fail and you struggle and you don't make progress, but it's not because of your weight. Mm -hmm. It's just because you have to go through that to get through the learning curve. And then when you come out the other side, now you're better because you went through that. You have to learn through making errors, especially in sports, right? A coach can't help you uh, if you show up and you're a prodigy, right? It, it takes, you have to learn through your failures and through the struggles and the obstacles to come out on the other side of that. 100%. And I think a big part of that too, is like, it's overcoming some of those like ideas or beliefs that are ingrained in our head regarding like those societal standards, right. That, that surround what a surfer looks like, um, and what maybe we heard or saw growing up. And while there may be, you know, part of us that is able to understand, like, that is not, that doesn't have to be the case. And I can be successful, be a successful surfer in a larger body. When we fail, it's easier for us to go back to those like initial, beliefs that we had before of like, okay, this, the, the reason this isn't working for me is because the size of my body. Um, and it's also easier for us as humans to cope with something when we can, when we can like have an exact reason as to why something's not working compared to it just being like, oh, it's just not working. 
um, it's easier for us to, to accept something in a way, if we have like an exact reasoning. So, oh, this isn't working because of the size of my body. Um, and it's, you know, I think you made a really good point in like, the important part of that is recognizing that those are negative automatic thoughts or these are core beliefs that maybe you don't want to align with anymore. And while you're working to change that narrative in your head, you're going to have to consistently catch those negative thoughts and replace them with those positives that you're wanting to eventually develop and becoming more automatic for you. So I think that's a process you go through as well when you're trying something new or you're stepping into a space that feels uncomfortable or that feels like there's not a lot of support for, for someone in a larger body. Um, because you're, you're seeing more of that original belief, right. That you're seeing more of like the surfers in smaller bodies who are, you know, like quote unquote ripped and quote unquote, super healthy. Right. But I think it's, it's finding those people like the curvy surfer girl community where you see and find people who you relate to and are like, okay, look, this doesn't have to be the case. Like just because I exist in a larger body doesn't mean I can't be successful in surfing and understanding that failure just comes with it. You're going to fail sometimes. And that's where usually we grow and we learn the most is in those, those moments of feeling like we failed. Yeah. And I would ask, you know, from your perspective, because I think it'd be great for my audience to hear it from a therapist and and from you, what can we do in those moments where we fall back into those old uh, thought patterns? And, And I've seen this a lot with beginner women, like women within their first five surf lessons, um, you know, kind of starting to fall back if they aren't standing up right away, or they're having some struggles. What can we do in those instances, Carly, to make it um, a little bit easier for us to digest and process if we're having a setback in those, those instances? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think like a big thing that I focus on a lot with clients as a therapist is what we call in CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, we call it our negative and positive cognitions. So these are like our negative and positive thoughts. So one thing that I always do with, with my clients, like in very beginning stages of therapy is asking them to identify those most common negative thoughts. So whether this has to do with your worth, your ability, um, the size of your body, what are those like most like prevalent thoughts that come up for you? Um, and in this case, that might be, I, I can't be a successful surfer because I exist in a larger body. That might be what that thought is that comes into someone's head when they fail or when they're finding that it's difficult to, you know, celebrate the successes that they're having. Um, And when we identify that negative, we have to be able to come up with a positive alternative. And the only way our brain changes is when we consistently bring the negative thought to our conscious, to our awareness And we replace that negative with a positive. So one thing I always tell people is when you, you know, become aware of what that repetitive, like negative thought is in your head and you catch it and you consciously replace that with a positive thought of like, no, I can actually be a successful surfer, no matter the size of my body over time, the more we, the more we replace that negative with a positive the more often, 
the positive is going to come up over the negative because we're rewiring our brain and redeveloping whatever that core belief was regarding surfing and the size of our body. So that's one thing I always tell people is like, when you find yourself having those negative thoughts, really being consistent and replacing that negative with a positive in that moment, even if you don't 100% believe it when you're saying it, just going through the process of replacing it does wonders for our mentality. And now, and I have one more question, just because you're such a wealth of knowledge. And like I said, I think this can apply to um, my community really well, but also a broad group of people. Um, I've noticed in my own experience and with other women, the comparison situation that happens. And in surfing, I'll use this as an example because it has personally happened to me a lot. The primary visual and representation of female surfers are extraordinary athletes. Mm -hmm. We don't really have a baseline visual or representation of women that are in the beginner to intermediate phases that have popularity. Uh, Broadly speaking, most of the social media surfing icons that are women are sponsored athletes competing in the WSL um, or they're women that have been born and raised in surf culture their whole life. And even if they're not um, a professional surfer, they probably could qualify if they wanted to, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so oftentimes I've found myself comparing uh, my worth and my value and my journey to women that have a lifetime of experience and celebration around their uh, achievement from, from their, um, you know, from their elite surfing skills. Mm -hmm. And part of my goal is to change that narrative that, you know, surfing doesn't have to be this elite, uh, highly performance driven athletic space all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, as we know, it's already in the Olympics and, and it has, um, traction through the WSL, but I want to ask you in your opinion, What do we do when we're surrounded both maybe in the water and online by all of these amazing people that are levels and levels and levels beyond maybe what we can even accomplish in a lifetime um, and not compare ourselves and our journeys to to that? How can we, uh, and it could even be a body type thing too. How do we not compare our bodies to people in those atmospheres, but still Um, have respect and admiration for what they do without it inhibiting ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think a big part of that is just reflecting and understanding that your experiences are very, very different. So your experience as a surfer is very different than the experience of someone who has been raised in it and who has been doing it for their entire life. And so thinking about like, okay, it's kind of unfair for you to kind of compare yourself to someone who has a very different experience than you, who has been doing this for majority of their life. So to kind of compare yourself to someone who has a very different experience is it's kind of not fair for us to do that because we can't change what your experience was and we can't change what their experience was. So what we can do is celebrate that there are two different experiences there and that it's okay that someone has more experience and maybe more, let's say skill level than someone who hasn't been doing this their whole life. But that doesn't mean that the person who hasn't been doing it their whole life is invalid in what they're doing. It doesn't mean that 
you know, their experience is any less valid at all. It just means that those experiences are different. And I think that's a huge thing when we're navigating through comparison is understanding like, I'm a very different person than you are, Elizabeth. Let's just say like comparing the two of us, I'm very different than you are as a person. You like my body type is different than yours. Like we aren't the same exact person. And so I can't compare myself to someone who I'm not right. I always like to tell people like, we are the only version of ourselves in the entire world. And when we spend our time comparing ourselves to other people, in my mind, I'm like, that almost feels like a waste of my perfectly beautiful, worthy body and personality that I have. Um, because I'm thinking about how can I be more like that person? Um, whether that's physically, you know, I think we can look up to people and their abilities and like how good they are at something. But I think it's, it's finding that balance between like when it's becoming this toxic headspace of, why is this person get to be this good, but I don't get to, or, you know, anything like that compared to just admiring and helping that individual celebrate who they are while also celebrating who you are and what your abilities are. I absolutely love that. I think that's an incredible perspective. Um, you know, because I, I know that for myself and many women entering spaces with very accomplished individuals, that can be somewhat demoralizing. And it's something that I'm constantly trying to help myself and other people through. I mean, it's in surfing, it's very easy to show up on your first day and a six-year-old out surf you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that can be a difficult thing, but if you can try and process what you said, Carly, about, you know, be yourself, embrace your journey and where you're at, then you give yourself your autonomy and your sovereignty back, mm-hmm. um, to exist in, in your space with your mission, which exactly. isn't to be as good as somebody else or, or worse. It's just mm-hmm. stay in your lane and allow yourself to, to blossom. Exactly. And I think that is so freeing and it's such an empowering headspace to be in because you don't feel like you're constantly like looking around, looking over your shoulder, trying to find like the next person to compare yourself to. You are allowing yourself to just like exist in who you are. You can set goals for yourself that have only, that have nothing to do with anything else, but solely to do with goals that you have for yourself and accomplishments that you want for yourself. Um, and understanding like there is plenty of room for all of us in this world and there's plenty of room for all of us to succeed in whatever capacity that looks like my success could be very different than your success. And I think that it's defining that success for yourself. That's so important. Maybe that success for someone is just being able to, to stand up on their surfboard. And once they do that, they're like, amazing, I've succeeded. And maybe the success of someone else is to be able to, you know, um, ride a wave for, you know, 20 seconds or something like that. You know, I think it's really being able to push out like ideas that society has set for us in terms of like what it looks like to be successful and defining that for ourselves. 
I, I absolutely love that. And I was talking about this the other day on my page with um, imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I'll be vulnerable and I'll share with both of our audiences, you know, as a, a person who's public facing and posts every day about uh, both my successes, my struggles, and just my daily experience, um, I have a lot of people comparing me on like they're doing the comparison. Mm-hmm. And recently, one of my uh, more viral posts had been shared to another account. And as I was reading through the comments, which I don't honestly, sometimes I don't do it. And sometimes I do. Mm-hmm. Um, a gentleman said, oh, she surfs such small waves. She's not even a real surfer. Mm-hmm. And I think what we all have to realize is that, you know, some of these things don't even manifest until months down the road. Like it gets kind of trapped in your subconscious somewhere. And then later on, your brain finally gets around to processing it. And you're like having imposter syndrome or you're having insecurities randomly. Um, And, you know, I have to go back and I have to say, this is a conversation that I can have in public because I'm not the only one that experiences that. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely not the only one regardless if you're a social media person or you're just going to your job and doing your work every day, someone is eventually going to come up to you and say something that's uh, harmful, disrespectful, rude, or whatever. Um, And it's up to us to reach out and have the discussions with our therapist, with our friends and family and people we trust to say, hey, you know, I'm experiencing this right now. And I know that it's not the truth. Because that's what we first have to identify, right? Is, yep, yep. is that, is there truth to that? Mm-hmm. And there really isn't. It's just someone else's belief of what you should be to be considered what, you know, you yeah. are, mm-hmm. right? Like I am a surfer. I may not surf uh, seven foot waves or 20 foot waves, but I'm still a surfer. Yeah. And it just looks different than what someone on the WSL circuit mm-hmm. would be doing, which mm-hmm. is really the only exposure the world has to surfing if we're being honest yeah Uh, it doesn't it's not really anyone else's place to determine that that like identity for you either yeah and I think that's important and so when we experience those things um you know reach out and just ask someone that you trust to work through that with you or have a discussion with your girlfriends over dinner Mm -hmm. and say hey you know this happened? Has this happened to you? And how did you deal with it? Or what do you think about it? Um, and I think there's a lot of freedom in that. There, there's a lot of growth that can happen when we, um, when we don't bury those feelings and just hide it from the world. Uh, and I'm a real big proponent of that. Like I like to tackle things head on mm-hmm. and say, okay, that happened to me. It affected me more than I would even like to admit it did. Um, but let's talk about it, exactly. you know, and, and let's grow this. from it. Yeah. And I, I brought this up a little bit, um, like a couple of days ago on my page, but this idea of like projection, right? Like people tend to project their internal struggles or insecurities onto other people. And so I think that can be a really helpful thing to understand as well. When we're navigating these types of comments is, is understanding that if someone is making a negative comment, whether it's based in fat phobia, homophobia, misogyny, whatever, whatever it's based in anyone who has like this, this hatred or feels the need to negatively comment on someone in those communities, 
there is something internally that that person is experiencing and, and, and is battling. And so in order for them to feel better about themselves, they unfortunately feel the need to project that onto other people. And I always like to remind people that when people, when individuals make these comments about your body or about you as an individual, a lot of times it has little to do with you as a person and so much more to do with what that person is experiencing internally. And that can be really like freeing as well to say like, okay, I'm not going to accept the responsibility to help this person heal what they're experiencing internally. Um, and I'm not going to, you know, take responsibility for the comment that they just said, because that was, that's all on them. And hopefully that they reach a point where they can seek proper support and navigating whatever those internal experiences are that are making it difficult for them to celebrate people, no matter the size of their body. Um, that's something that's been really helpful for me. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, I also think, you know, and and I've done it through social media, but really community is very important. Having conversations like this, where you reach those, those, um, enlightenments about these types of situations and realize these aren't necessarily reflections of you. Mm -hmm. Um, that is very freeing. And I, I hope that, you know, everyone has that experience in one way or another with at least one individual in their life, uh, because it is a very different world, uh, for women, especially in larger bodies Mm -hmm. to navigate doing anything, um, much less, you know, uh, having to deal with, with disrespect uh, on the internet or in real life. Definitely. And I think that that's what makes, you know, the curvy surfer girl community so, um, empowering is that it does, you know, it's, it can be virtual. It can be in person. I think that's what's so important about these spaces is like, you are encouraging people all over the world to, you know, celebrate their bodies and to step out of their comfort zone and be vulnerable and, you know, work through whatever those like limiting beliefs are that they're experiencing regarding their ability to surf or their ability to, um, like free dive. And, you know, I think that it's finding communities like the curvy surfer girl that is so important for people. And those are the communities that we, we need to like emerge ourselves into and really surround ourselves with because it helps us feel less alone. I agree. I did a social media cleanse, um, three years ago where if I saw a post that made me feel worse about myself, um, it doesn't matter the quality of the person. I think there's a lot of amazing people on the internet, but you know, one thing I've noticed on social media and it's actually very recently happened to me is I get a lot of women on my page that are extremely beautiful, but have a lot of plastic surgery Mm -hmm. and it just sends you down a rabbit hole of shame and self-destruction. When you see images like that over and over and over, because it's the antithesis of your own uh, identity and appearance within the world. Mm -hmm. And so just to, you know, compound what you're saying, be aware that those do have impacts on you. And it may not even be a conscious impact. It could be subconscious. It could be, you know, you went on social media yesterday and you saw uh, 40 images of women with breast implants and liposuction and 
all of these procedures and you look nothing like that. Now, the next day you're having internalized shame about Mm -hmm. your appearance. You have to uh, find ways to regulate that for yourself, which means probably unfollowing those individuals or telling the, uh, the apps that you're on that you don't want to see more of that content and finding the women that look like you so that you can have some form of appreciation about yourself. And I'm not saying you have to do, uh, there can't be anybody like that, but if it's negatively affecting you um, and causing you distress, mm-hmm. definitely find communities that are more representative of you that don't make you feel like that. Definitely. And I think that's that importance of self-awareness and like being able to be self-aware of what, like how you feel when you see something on social media. If your initial reaction is something negative or you think about that post later on in a negative way, then there's, there's probably something associated with that post that was triggering to you that now has you feeling like dysregulated or guilty or shameful and being self-aware is, is what's helpful in making those decisions and saying like, okay, this isn't healthy for me. This person's account is not healthy for me. Um, and one example I always share, I share this all the time, like on every podcast I'm on, and I've mentioned it a couple of times on, on this podcast, but I always think it's such a beautiful way of thinking about social media. Um, I love to imagine, especially Instagram, because I feel like we have a lot more control over what we see on Instagram compared to like TikTok is like a for you page. It's, it's a lot harder to curate that. But I always tell people, I'm like, imagine your Instagram feed as an art gallery and you're the curator and you get to choose what artists and what art appears in your gallery. And that is such an empowering space to be in because you can say like, I love this artist. I love this creator. I want her in my art gallery. I want her in my feed. This person, not so much, doesn't really align with the message of my art gallery. So we're probably not going to include this person into my into my gallery or into my feed. And that is like, has been a really helpful way for me to view it because I'm like, okay, what do I want to curate? What do I want to see? And who do I want to surround myself with? Absolutely. I, I totally agree. And there's so many extraordinary people um, that are doing things just beyond uh, appearance, which in the very beginning, Instagram was a very appearance driven app. And I think it's really evolved now. There's some incredible uh, activists and thinkers and philosophers and just people doing extraordinary things. So if you really are interested, even in learning, like I love accounts that I can learn things. I love Mm -hmm. accounts about psychology and science and fashion. Um, I agree. I think you can curate that and you can use it even as an opportunity for growth because people teach some incredible things on social media Mm -hmm. and can really expand your perspective of the world. I think you're one of them, Carly. I think, you know, when you did that post about uh, projection, it was very well said, it was succinct, and it's a different perspective about why people are having that behavioral response to Mm -hmm. an individual expressing themselves. So uh, you know, really take it seriously because it does have an impact on you, regardless of, of who you are. If you're in the Western world, most of us are consume, consuming social media uh, up to several hours a day. And uh, that is going to have an impact on how you see yourself and the rest of the world based on what you're consuming. Definitely. 
100%. I want to pivot just really quickly before we wrap up. I um, know you had mentioned, and this is something that you talk about a lot and something that I'm really interested in hearing from you more about is this concept of like finding wetsuits and, and things for individuals in larger bodies. Um, yeah. I know that you have worked with uh, Joe Lynn and you are currently doing some really exciting things with them. Um, what advice would you give to people who are searching for size inclusive, um, like swimwear and like cert- like wetsuits and all of those things? Like, do you have brands that come to mind for you and, and how would you, how would you support someone in navigating that? Well, at Curvy Surfer Girl, there's a lot of resources. Any photo that I post, if you click on it, you can be taken to the brand. And regardless if the swimsuit has been discontinued that I'm wearing, um, there's most likely other options. The approach that I took when I started Curvy Surfer Girl um, was drastic because if I'm being totally honest, there were not options available for performance swimwear. Now, if we, all of us follow plus size creators that wear gorgeous swimsuits, but that may not be uh, realistic for participating in athletic spaces, uh, whether that be free diving, surfing, paddle boarding, there's a variety of activities where a, a string bikini on a plus size body just simply isn't going to do it for what we're participating in and what we're advocating for. And I took the approach early on that if it doesn't exist, then I'm going to go out and convince people to create it. Mm -hmm. And I've done three collaborations so far. I did one with, uh, rip. Well, I actually did four. Um, I did one with rip curl. I didn't directly influence their designs, but I was the first, um, creator and the movement itself was the first to encourage a massive surf corporation to include plus size bodies in a surfing advertisement. Mm-hmm. And um, two and a half years later, we're now seeing the remnants of that uh, coming to fruition. If you go to Rip Curl's website, you know you will see um, double D suits available up to a one and two X. And that previously was an unfathomable concept. Um, and then I, I took the next collaboration with Maggi, who's a swimsuit com- uh, company based out of Columbia. Um, and we did a curvy surfer girl line through them. And then I worked with September, the line, uh, Erica is an amazing small business owner. And she took on the challenge of working with me to design suits that were uh, supportive. And now we're doing a large scale collaboration with Joe Lynn. And I think using our voice is very important with all of this, um, declaring that there is a need here and that it needs to be you know, executed and fulfilled in a way where it's available to the masses is really where we're at right now, especially with wetsuits. I've had a lot of conversations with some really large corporations, and we're going to have to really put pressure on these institutions um, to say that, you know, you can make a three or four X for men, but when it comes to women, you stop at a size 14 or an extra large. And that's just not enough. You know, we, we need the pressure on the brands and the companies to do more because by the time we start putting pressure on it and they actually respond, it's going to take years to get to a place where it's on shelves for us to buy it. Mm -hmm. So the work starts now 
and it starts in our community. And I try to lead and direct a lot of those efforts um, by either taking my own um, my own action to contact the brands and say, hey, where are we at on this? Do you have a desire to do this? Is it something that we can invest resources into? Um, and if they say, no, you know, we're not interested in going that direction, it's just a matter of finding the right company that is. Because I, I think part of it is uh, also not working with brands that don't see the value in women and diversity. Yep. If, if a brand does not value diversity, uh, I'm not the person that's going to show up and change that. I believe if they're stuck in, um, in a misogynistic patriarchal perspective about women, then uh, they're not in a place where they deserve to work with someone like us, mm-hmm. you know, whether that be myself, you, or anyone else in our, our community. I, I don't think that we're, you know, going to be deemed the, uh, the savior of that brand. They have to make a leadership change and then their corporation has to decide the direction they want to go. Um, and, and that's pretty found foundational in what I do with brands. They need to want uh, women in this demographic because there are going to be uh, images that need to be promoted and campaigns that need to be done. And if they're not in alignment with that, then we shouldn't be doing it to begin with. Definitely. Um, I think a big part of that is like, it's not just having the, the pieces for people to wear, but I think the other side of that also is like when an individual is like going into, you know, a new sport or they're trying something new for the first time, let's say surfing and they go to buy a wetsuit and there's not one that's their size, there's going to be like an, an initial reaction of like, okay, this sport isn't meant for me because there isn't a piece that fits my body. There's, there's yeah, like wetsuits aren't, aren't made for my, for my body. And so when we have brands that are actually creating inclusive pieces it is a reminder to individuals that you can be in, in the, in this size body, you can wear a three X and still deserve to go out and surf. Um, so I think it's like, it's not only are those pieces available, but I think it does a lot mentally and emotionally for an individual when they can, when they can find a piece that fits them, it it kind of revalidates for them that they deserve to be in that space. Yeah, I mean, from an ethical perspective, there's absolutely no reason these brands shouldn't be producing these size wetsuits for women. Um, it really comes down to leadership flaws and a mindset of the of a male perspective. Um, and I've yeah. discussed this on my page. And for the last 60 years, um, the surf industry has existed. It has been led exclusively by men. Mm-hmm. Um, we have only in the last year, last December, uh, Rip Curl appointed its first female CEO in the history of the surf industry. And then the WSL appointed the first ever director um, in their athletic division. Mm-hmm. So just in the last year, we have made um, massive strides for women leadership and women's perspectives um, to be included at the at the executive levels. And you know, women have to remember this because if men are making these decisions, they're making it based off what they find appealing. Mm -hmm. And and that is also based on uh, decades and possibly centuries of uh, reinforced stereotypes about women. And it, I just watched a a documentary last night about women in filmmaking, and they uh, demonstrated very clearly, even how women are portrayed in film has been very detrimental for the exact same reason. It has only been male 
filmmakers in the industry for the last hundred years. Mm -hmm. And that is very, very detrimental for society because society is composed of women as well. Mm -hmm. And essentially by doing that, you have convinced women uh, living in their own experience that they're unworthy of these things and that that's how they should be perceived by the world. So, um, you know, what I, my approach is to go to those brands, um, you know, ask for actionable change and then make it and uh, publish it to, um, to the community that I'm in. And hopefully that gets reshared broadly uh, through social media, through, through television and, and other avenues mm -hmm. so that the public can see it's available. Uh, what I would say right now to answer that question directly for wetsuits, the best thing you can do if you're in a plus size body and you need a wetsuit, whether it's for free diving, scuba diving, surfing, paddle boarding, uh, any, anything that really requires it is to have it custom made. And I know there's a lot of pushback because they're expensive and the, the tailoring time takes a while, but that's what I did for my best friend, Kiani, who just became a certified free diver. Uh, she's a size 4X. Um, sometimes you just can't let the industry decide what your destiny is going to be. And you have to take that into your own hands and find a way to make it uh, happen. And so that's what I strongly suggest for women that are interested in these activities right now is to go to a company and have a, a custom suit made for you, um, make the investment. And then as we progress and I continue advocating alongside my community, uh, there will be options in the future, but it is going to take time for us to get to that point. Yeah. I love that. I think that's such a great piece of advice for anyone, right? It's like, don't let the industry like decide for you what you can or cannot do, like resource and find those brands that are willing to make something custom for your body so that you don't have to sit back and wonder, you know, what it would have been like if you would have given surfing or free diving a try. Cause you know, we, we don't want anyone existing in a space of regret. And I think with community support, we can overcome some of those fears and allow ourselves to be vulnerable and share our experience and learn and grow. And that's just such a beautiful space to be in together as a community. Absolutely. And, you know, just don't get discouraged. And like I said, if you need regular swimsuits, uh, there's a plethora of resources on the Kirby Surfer Girl page. I mean, I have an entire Instagram guide with probably 15 swimsuit companies um, that I have personally tried out, tested in the water that I would say are, you know, performance swim that you can go and buy uh, tomorrow if you wanted and, mm -hmm. and start that journey. So, um, you know, that that's an easy resource and, and remedy right there. But for wetsuits, you're definitely going to have to go the custom route. Okay. Yeah. I love that. That's really helpful. Um, so to wrap things up, um, what is one piece of advice like you would give to, and we've talked about this in depth throughout today's episode, but I, I think that ending with like one solid piece of advice or like an affirmation or encouragement, words of encouragement for anyone, whether it's someone who is wanting to explore surfing or free diving or just like any new like skill in general, what piece of advice would you leave listeners with? I would say try to convince yourself to show up. That is going to be the hardest part of doing anything in the beginning is convincing yourself to show up. I know that there's a lot of reasons why it may not work or you may not even like it, mm -hmm. but if you can at least give yourself the opportunity 
to put yourself in the situation that you're interested in because you have to be interested in it um you know to even be entertaining the idea to begin with Mm -hmm. give yourself a chance to show up at the starting line like we said at the beginning of the conversation um and, and if you're struggling with that alone ask people to help reinforce that this is something um, that you should give a try to, you know, and build the confidence to go out there and do it. Um, And then, like I said, follow communities and creators that reinforce your, uh, how amazing you are, because you are, you are, as Carly said earlier, you are a completely unique individual in the entirety of the cosmos. And you have to be willing to acknowledge and, and value that for yourself before other people can do that for you. Mm -hmm. So start that journey, give yourself the opportunity to have those experiences. And when you need reinforcement and and celebration, you know, come to these communities like Curvy Surfer Girl, like uh, Carly's page and, and you know, you've got it. Yeah, 100%. I love that. I think that that is like the perfect reminder, perfect piece of advice, perfect like words of encouragement to wrap things up on. Um, but before we, before we end Elizabeth, do you mind sharing with the listeners where they can find you? You can find me on pretty much every social media uh, platform through at curvy surfer girl. So I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Amazing. Um, So easy. and And I'll put everything in the show notes as well. I'll link it all there. And if you have specific questions, the best way to contact me is to DM me through Instagram. I am really good about responding to everybody through that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth, for being here. And thank you for sharing your experience. And thank you for creating the Curvy Surfer Girl because I, you know, just from seeing what you're doing and, and the change that you're making online, I can only imagine the impact you're making also in person with individuals. I am just so incredibly thankful for you and the space that you're creating because it truly is so important that everyone feels like they have a space. Um, they have, you know, the ability to be in spaces that maybe they didn't feel comfortable in a couple of years ago. And so I think that's such a beautiful, a beautiful thing that you're doing. And I'm so incredibly thankful for you. Well, Carly, the feeling is so mutual. I'm very grateful that women like you are here advocating and amplifying messages like the Curvy Surfer Girl Mm -hmm. movement and um, tackling a lot of these societal issues that we have as women and women in larger bodies. So thank you for inviting me to this podcast and thank you to your audience for uh, listening to both of us. Of course. And listeners, if you resonate with today's episode, please feel free to leave a rating or review. If you know someone who you feel like would love this episode, feel free to share. Let us know your thoughts and your feedback on today's conversation. And I will see you in our next episode.